Welcome back to Big Blue Kickoff Live. This is the Thursday edition with Paul Tatino and Super Bowl champion putter Jeff Fiegels. Glad you could join us today. And coming up in just a bit, we will talk about Notre Dame's draft prospects. But first up, Jeff, good to speak with you again. Hope everybody is staying well on your side of the fence and certainly all the listeners out there as well. Yeah, you too, Paul. Hope everybody's holding up. We're all good over here. Um, Shelter in place is the word of the year, right? I mean, we're doing what we can, but it's – it's always good to get in an hour talking Giants football, talking the draft. Uh, as we know, the draft is going to go accordingly. So we got to get to all these teams quickly and uh, understand who the players are and maybe some of the guys that the Giants might want to take. Well, we'll talk more about the Giants' free agent situation and the veterans that they have added to their roster in just a moment. But now we'd like to bring in Eric Hansen. He is from the South Bend Tribune, and he's been covering Notre Dame football for quite a while. Eric Great to talk to you again, and the first thing that we need to ask you is obviously about wide receiver Chase Claypool, a guy who lit up the combine, 4-4-2 at 6-4 and 238 pounds. He just got people going goo-goo over him, and I wonder how you see his skill set going into the NFL. Well, I think his best football is ahead of him. He was a guy that uh, you know played high school football in Canada, and they did play American rules in his conference, so a lot of the provinces don't. So he kind of had the basics of the game, but, I mean, you know, it wasn't a super competitive environment. He was so much better of an athlete than everybody else. And what what happened at Notre Dame over time was his work ethic matched his talent, and that's why he had such a good senior year. That's why he had such a strong combine. But I still think his best football is ahead of him. He, he's a fast, big receiver who is amazing on special teams. I mean, he could play in the NFL just as a special team where if he couldn't catch the ball. Well, we all know that uh, a lot of the rookies that come into the National Football League are, you know, they have to play special teams. So whoever is going to draft Chase Claypool is definitely going to get a guy that can step in and play at any position uh, on the field or special teams. But they're certainly going to want him to uh, play that wide receiver. And in a draft, it's very, very – there's a lot of depth in the draft this year at the wide receiver position. I like Chase Claypool because of his size and his speed. You know, rare speed at that size, and I think that some teams are going to go up to get him because of that. Um, and I wouldn't doubt if you see him landing somewhere in the NFC, in my opinion. So tell me a little bit about what what's his best asset as a wide receiver. We know he can play uh, special teams, but – what are some of the things that he does really, really well? Well, again, his senior year was different than his other years. He, he, um, as a senior, physically, people just couldn't match up with him. You know, he couldn't run by people, and if he didn't run by him, he could just muscle you, you know, in a jump ball. He could muscle you using his body to kind of protect the ball. And I think his physicality is what really stands out, even though, again, he ran a 4-4-240. He smashes people in blocking. You know, when he first showed up at Notre Dame, we thought he might end up at defensive end or linebacker or safety. He was just such oh, wow. a kind of breathtaking athlete. Um, but, but the physicality, you know, on, on their coverage teams, you know, he begged to play special teams. And their coverage teams went from some of the worst in the country to some of the best because he was the gunner going down and making the tackles. So he has quite a few career tackles, but just his physicality and just his 
attitude that kind of goes with it, like, you're not going to get this. I'm, I'm stronger than you. I'm, I'm as fast or faster than you, and the ball's going to be mine. Eric Hansen of the South Bend Tribune joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live to talk about Notre Dame's draft prospects. One other question about Claypool before we move on. You know, it was because of that 4-4-2 at the Combine that people suddenly said, well, maybe if we had a third-round grade on him, that's going to be too low. Somebody's going to want to get him either in the second round or even maybe trade up into the early third to get him. From your understanding and the talk around there, how much did he help his draft status simply with his performance at the Underwear Olympics? Uh, I, I talked to several recruiting analysts, including Mel Kuyper Jr., about him. Mel thought he, he helped himself the round, a round and a half by both the Combine and the Senior Bowl because he had really good practices at the Senior Bowl and he had a touchdown in the Senior Bowl. So with those two things, I think it it really answered a lot of questions for people. You know, was was his 2019 season legit? Was that stretch in November and in the bowl game where he was uncoverable? Was that something that could you know help him in the draft? And and he, so he answered a lot of questions because. I think a lot of people expected him to run in the four fives. You know, they thought, well, a big receiver, he's, in, in, you know, over 230 pounds. You know, could he really move? Maybe he's a tight end. Um, and so he answered all those questions. He's got a great attitude, uh, just a really special kid. And, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing where he goes and, and how good he can be at the next level. That tight end talk was certainly there at Indy before he started to do his testing. Has that gone away now because of the time he put up? Are people now exclusively thinking he's a wide receiver? And does first of all, does he think he is a wide receiver? Is he against a move to tight end? He said he'd play wherever they want him to, which is the good answer to say when you're somebody that wants to be drafted. Um, sure, I know he wants to play wide receiver. He and Notre Dame starting tight end Cole Komet trained together in California for the for the combine. And just talking to Cole, he said there's no way Chase would want to be a traditional tight end, but he certainly is open to being somebody that could be flexed out like a tight end. He you know, you could make him a big slot guy. Um you know, you can move him around the formation. He moved around a lot during his career, um, mostly an outside receiver, though, and then and the, the senior year, something that isn't as pronounced in the pros but is in college because of the hash marks. He was a boundary receiver, so you know, you're in tighter spaces with a physical corner there. I think he could, but I, I just don't think he wanted to. He also said some of the weight gain he had between the senior bowl and the combine wasn't wasn't uh, intentional. He, he said he overloaded with water because he wanted to, uh, you know, stay hydrated on the long flight from California to Indianapolis. And whereas when he was weighed at the Senior Bowl, he hadn't eaten, he hadn't drank anything. So he said there was probably middle ground between his weights. You know that he's really low two thirties rather than the two thirty eight that he ran or was weighed in at at the combine, but. Yeah, I think he gives you some versatility, but and he's a really good blocker, but why wouldn't you want that as a wide receiver? 
why would you want to bulk him up into a tight end and slow him down? I, I, I just really think you're shopping. You know, this is a deep historic wide receiver crop, but he's in a different aisle almost than everybody else, even the other tall receivers, just because of how physical he is. Well, listen, the more you can do, the better off you are in the National Football League, that's for sure. So if he's a guy that can maybe get some reps at tight end and certain times of down and distance and personnel groupings, you know, I'm sure that some offensive coordinator will be delighted to have him put his hand in the dirt and be able to block a little bit. And when you talk about Chase Claypool, you mentioned that Cole Komet, these are two guys that trained together. Um, a junior, six foot six, two 262 pounds. Um, what I've seen on him, I see that he's a better at stage right now, probably a better pass catcher than he is a blocker, but I think that'll get better as he goes into the NFL. Yeah, I, I was a little surprised that that was the, the word on him. I thought he did a pretty good sure. job of blocking. But he missed some time last year, especially. He played through a really um, serious high ankle sprain. He came back after a couple of weeks and kind of played the rest of the season uh, like that in 2018. In 2019, again, he started the season injured. He had broken a collarbone the very first day out of fall camp. Uh, so he missed all his fall camp, and he also missed the first couple games of the season. The good thing for him is he's a fast healer, and in his debut, which was against a pretty good Virginia defense, he he had a big, big day against them, but I think he's going to be a really good blocker. Um, you know, he was also involved in baseball. He was a guy that probably would have been drafted in baseball. Big left-handed pitcher who could throw in the 90s. Um, his fastball touched 95. He was a closer for Notre Dame. Um, so him just concentrating on football, I think he's going to accelerate into that all-round tight end pretty quick on, in the NFL level. If he can stay healthy. On the mound, if I'm throwing 95 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. Well, at some point, I think that's where he was leaning. And then yeah. he said, I just love football. He goes, I realize that baseball might be the more logical choice, the better choice. He goes, but I wanted to do what I love and love football. And if that costs me money or if that I have a shorter career, I can live with that because I have such passion for the game. So that's why he that's chose great. Well, Eric, I want to go to that that thought you just said about he's got passion for the game. Well, these guys who come into the NFL as pass-catching tight ends, now I know you said he was a better blocker than maybe he is reputed to have been, but if you don't want to block in the NFL, that is the number one key to being able to do it. You have to have the desire to do it. Do you expect that he will have the desire to do the dirty work when there are so many of these tight ends who get their highlights on SportsCenter every night. Absolutely. I mean, he's a, he's a very much a team player. I think he took a lot of pride in being able to block. Um, you know, he was a guy they really wanted to redshirt as a freshman, and he was so good they burned that redshirt year. Now, he didn't have a lot of stats as a freshman, but their potential as, to see him as a pass catcher and a blocker, they loved what he brought. He's just an exceptional athlete. Um, and again, when he was in high school, they moved him all over the place. He even played some quarterback just because he was on a really bad team and he was the best athlete on that team. But he's a guy that rises to the occasion. Again, in high school, he played on a team that was barely 500 
in the um, in their regular season, and they won the state championship in Illinois in baseball just because he kind of took over at the plate and on the mound. They were able to use him a lot, and he kind of willed them to the state championship. So there's something about his drive and his character but again, I don't think you're going to have to worry about the blocking and the willingness to do any of that stuff. Well, I think we got to go to defense because uh, there's yeah. a familiar name to Giants fans. Yeah. Of course, uh, Aquara and Julian, the edge rusher from Notre Dame. And we all know that uh, his brother originally came to the Giants as an undrafted free agent from the Irish. A guy who I think has tremendous upside in terms of his ability to get to the quarterback but I am concerned about his ability to hold the edge and his power and, and his, his willingness to do all of the dirty stuff if his athleticism and speed doesn't get to the passer. How do you see it, Eric? Well, I mean, he's very different. He's a different build and a kind of different qualities than Romeo. Uh, you know, Romeo showed up at Notre Dame at age 16, um, and he was a stick-filled defensive end who had kind of overwhelming strength even as a really young player. Um, Julian had trouble putting on weight, he, and he's more twitchy. He's he's going to run a much better 40 than Romeo. Um, and he kind of came along more subtly than Romeo did. But, um, you know, there's a lot to like about him athletically, and he was really good as a junior, as a senior. Um, you know, he wasn't as productive. I think he put a lot of pressure on himself. He also got injured and missed pretty much the whole month of November with a broken fibula. Um, the one thing that I don't think he gets credit for are pressures when he doesn't actually get the sack, but he forces a bad throw. I know pro football focus really had a high grade on him in terms of his play this year, even though he didn't get a lot of sacks. He's also really good in coverage. Um, he's able to drop. So, I mean, if somebody that ran a 34 wanted to have him as an outside linebacker, I think he'd actually be pretty good at that. And I think he can be a 43 defensive end. He's got stronger. I mean, he's over 250 right now, which is the first time in his career he's been there. I, I think there's certainly potential for him to get bigger and stronger, and I think that's where his growth is. But I think eventually he'll get there. But his burst is is pretty impressive. It's just this pro day would have really helped, and that's why he was going to do all his testing outside of the uh, bench press, which he was able to do at the combine. Well, let's stay on defense uh, at, the, at that defensive line position and talk a little bit about Khalid Kareem. I hope I, I can butcher names now, Eric. So hopefully I tested pretty good there. Um, anyway, big boy, six foot four, two hundred sixty-eight pounds. Had a nice season in two thousand and nineteen. Looking at his stats, five and a half. Um, in 19, and he had three forced fumbles, which led the team. Um, reading about him, he's got good size, good athletic ability. What do you see in, in him, and what do you think his future might be in the National Football League? Can he play? Is he definitely an inside guy? Is he an outside guy? A three gap? He'd let us know. Yeah, I mean, he, he does give you some position flexibility. He played the in Notre Dame team. They play a 4-3, and he was the bigger end. Um, okay. And he was a couple-year starter. The interesting thing about him this year was he tore a labrum in November and knew it and kept playing with it, played in the bowl game with it, and he didn't have surgery on it until January. Um, so he could have just said, hey, my future's too important. I'm going to quit on the team, and he didn't. 
Um, the thing that I really like about Khaled is that he is very disruptive. He gets his hands on a lot of balls, deflects them. He forces a lot of fumbles. He recovers fumbles. Uh, he's just all around the ball. It's it's uncanny how you know he, he he's very good at that. And and I think his stats are a little suppressed. All of the defensive ends are just because Notre Dame likes to rotate guys in. They like to play you know four defensive ends pretty pretty regularly just to keep everybody fresh. He does kick inside in some of their packages and can play inside, and he's strong enough to do that. And then he gives you a little bit of a burst inside on the pass rush. So I do like him. I, you know, he's again a guy that would have really benefited from the pro day uh, because he would have been, you know, recovered enough to do everything, or at least the lower body things. He would have been able to run and do all those things. From what you're saying, Eric, I, I, I'm I'm not sure if I totally understand. Do you think then Kareem and Okwara would both be rotational, situational guys in the NFL? Or do you think no, that either no. one of them have the ability to play three downs? I don't think they have the ability to play three downs. Notre Dame just had a luxury because they had a lot of good defensive ends, and they would just rotate them in and wear offensive lines down by, by putting these guys in. They weren't specialty niche players. They just had four or five really good defensive ends, and they just they do that in, in with their interior as well. They just play a lot of guys, and and it you know in the big downs when they needed those guys to be on the field, they were. Uh, it's not a conditioning thing. It's just hey, you've got a lot of talent. Why not wear down the offense by by always having fresh guys coming in that they trust. You know, five years ago with Notre Dame, they couldn't get a sack. Um, and they had uh, three total, I think it was in Brian Bangor's last season there in 2016, they had three total from their defensive line for the entire year. I mean, Julian's had games where he's had more than that in one game. So um, their whole dynamic of their program changed in the last few years in terms of getting all these good defensive linemen. There's going to be good ones that we're going to be talking about next year and the year after that. Well, well let me just go to the next guy here. Um, uh, Troy Pride, a quarterback. Um, reading up on him, obviously he has his speed. He's a track, a track guy at Notre Dame, which is always right. good. Um, and really kind of came into his own his senior year. Talk a little bit about Troy and what you looking and see out of him, Eric. Yeah, well, he's he's an interesting guy. He's very confident, and I think he usually backs up what he does. I, you know, I think he played a little bit out of position or a little bit, you know, not playing to his strengths this year just because, you know, Julian Love came out a year early, and uh, they moved him, they moved Troy into the boundary, which doesn't enhance Troy's strengths, which is a spin, you know, he had to be a little bit more physical in the boundary. Um, it was a lot of different techniques, you know, playing in the smaller space rather than just kind of running with receivers and not letting them get past him. Um, but I think at the senior bowl, he to do both, uh, play both sides pretty well. Uh, he had a really good senior bowl week. I like him a lot. I mean, the one thing you don't have to worry about is his speed. Um, but um, I think of the two players 
you know, I think Julian Love is the more complete of those two guys as a, as a college player. As a pro, Troy might have a better career just because people are going to have trouble running past him. He's he's faster than Julian. Um, so it's going to be interesting. He's a guy that is harder for me to project just because of his senior season. I, I thought he would stand out a lot more than he did. You know, it kind of hurts that they, they missed their pro day because of what's going on in the world. But, um, you know, if they, if they had a, you know had enough exposure at the combine and the player and the coaches and staff people like like him, you know it's a good thing. But when you look, when we start talking about some of these other guys, it just you know they they wanted that second chance, if you will, to come back at, at their pro day and show them how how hard they've worked. And so it really hurts a lot of these guys. Um, you know the safety position. Uh, by the way, Julian Love, I know Paul and I, he'll agree with me. We really like him a lot. I, I think that he's yeah. going to be a great player for the Giants. Um, really took him a, a while to adapt to the new position um, that the Giants put him in, but I think he's going to be a good one for us. Um, talk well, you know, Jeff, b- before you yeah. go on, Jeff, I want to just say this, Eric. When the Giants brought Love in, uh, while they tried him at slot, they really saw his future at free safety, which is where I think he's going to wind up competing during the summer. Because Pride has more speed, do you suspect he's going to be better in the slot when he gets to the NFL? No, I don't. I, he, you know, they never really played him there. Um, I think he, he would play against an outside receiver. Um, Julian played a little bit of, the slot in college, he had that skill set, um, and he also played some safety, so it's interesting to me that he would end up there. Also a note on Julian, he came back to Notre Dame to get his degree this this semester. He's finishing it online, but it looks like he's going to end up getting his degree, but um, I think Troy is not that. Notre Dame has a kid named Sean Crawford that they really like, that they play against the slot. Troy has the speed to do it, it's just He's, he's better on the outside when he has to run with those elite, speedy receivers. He's, I mean, there's very few people that can, you know, make him look silly in that situation. There just weren't a lot of long passes in his whole career that were completed against him when he was in that situation, when well, he had to cover a lot of field. Yeah, they did list him at, at 4-4. You want me to dive into the safeties? They have two that will get drafted. And, and they're both really interesting players. And Notre Dame, again, it's kind of the end of the Brian Van Gorder era. They had their their safety position. They had, for the first time since Tickleton football came into being in 1964, they didn't have a single interception from their safety core that year. And they had a lot of kids, when they changed coordinators, end up transferring or moving positions because – they just didn't fit. And these two guys kind of revitalized the safety position at Notre Dame. Maloney was a transfer from Navy. He transferred after his freshman year at Navy. He had to sit out a year, and then he played two years for Notre Dame. And Jalen Elliott was a stud quarterback in Virginia in the Richmond area. Uh, he played some defensive back and then came to Notre Dame as a safety really struggled his first couple years and then absolutely turned it around and became a pretty good player. I, I like both of those guys. I mean, they're not high-round draft choices. There's obviously a lot of better safeties in each one of them. 
But man, and both of those guys are getting, you know, really solid skill sets. I think, um, you know, I think that a Lohi Tillman's competitive edge changes the culture in Notre Dame's defense. Um, there's a lot of intangibles with him and, and Elliot too. They were both captains. Uh, I just think they're going to be solid players in the NFL. I don't think they're going to be stars. But, you know, if you're looking for a safety in the middle rounds, I, I take either of those guys. Well, Eric, the one thing I thought about Elliott is that they seem to move him around to a lot of different spots. And I know versatility is important in the NFL, but because he's just so much more of a thumper, and I don't necessarily think he's got the speed. I know he ran a 4.8. Uh, I don't think he's got the speed or the athleticism to get lost on an island in the NFL. I, j- I just wonder exactly where his best position is going to be. It would seem to be, you know, backup strong safety, special teams, and maybe a box guy on occasion. Yeah, it, it, the 4.8 shocked everybody that covers Notre Dame. And we didn't have a chance to talk to Jalen afterward about whether – there was a hamstring problem or something because I just can't see him running that. It would have been interesting to see what he ran at Pro Day. And one thing I know Notre Dame is considering is trying to do, you know, Pro Days remotely somehow or, or in small groups and send the video off. Now, I know that that doesn't have the ring of authenticity when you're doing a 40-yard dash and some of these other things, but I think they're trying to help the guys out, especially guys that didn't even go to the combine, uh, to help them have at least some some record of doing those things. I would have really liked to see him um, redo his forty because he had a he had a very good week at the Senior Bowl as well. In fact, uh, the Senior Bowl organizers voted him the best defensive back of the week. Um, so. It doesn't match up with that 4840. So there's something I think amiss there because, again, people didn't run by him. He really didn't play in the box um, that much either. Um, so, But he's physical enough to do that. They even played him at nickel a little bit um, when they were really uh, decimated by injuries at that position. So um, I think he's going to be faster and a little bit more versatile in the NFL than what his combine numbers show, but again, his combine does, doesn't help him without that pro day to kind of remedy the 4840. Again, uh, Eric Hansen from the South Bend Tribune joining us on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Before we let you go, is there a sleeper who you think is going to wind up, you know, showing his stuff at an NFL camp and making a roster that we haven't talked to you about to this point? I do. Um, I don't. I don't think he's going to be on the active roster, but I think he has a chance to make um, a roster and be a practice squad player. And that's Jameer Jones. He's from Rochester, New York. His brother Jerron has played in the NFL. Some he was a defensive lineman at Notre Dame. Has played offensive line in the NFL and the XFL. Um, but Jameer was a guy that played quarterback, defensive end, everything at his high school. He had a really productive year once Notre Dame lost Damon Hayes and, and Julian Cora at defensive end. In fact, his stats were every bit as good as Okora's. Um, so he's a real late bloomer. I think he's a guy that I would be willing to put on a practice squad and see what he turns into because he's a really good athlete. 
Well, I'm looking at some of those numbers, 6'3", 255. Got some numbers there that, that some guys are going to be very interested in for the edge. I, I'll tell you that. Yeah, he was, he was just incredibly productive. He had a lot of sacks. He had a lot of tackles for loss. Very good instincts. I mean, he really came on. They originally wanted to redshirt him this year and bring him back for the 2020 season. But when they had some injuries, they just said, can you just play this year and finish out this year? He would have been a starter for them in 2020. That is Eric Hansen from the South Bend Tribune. We appreciate his time today discussing Notre Dame football as they send a bunch of prospects into the National Football League. Jeff, it's certainly a good crop, especially on defense, and that kind of fits with the theme of this year's draft, doesn't it? A little bit, absolutely. I mean, you know, we talked a little bit about the uh, the cornerback position, the safety position, um, but I think the biggest one that jumps out on, on this whole list of prospects for Notre Dame is going to be Chase Claypool, and he certainly has made a name for himself in the last couple months. Um, and, you know, this is what the process, Paul, is all about. You know, when you're a guy that comes in and people don't think that much of you, and you're able to go and prove them wrong. I mean, look at the way he did at the Senior Bowl and then what he came and did at the Combine. Obviously, they missed the pro day, which he could have done better. But the fact is, is this, this young man went out and made him some money. I mean, you heard him talk about maybe one and a half uh, rounds going up for him and his stock draft status. So that's going to be good for him. But, you know, it, it is a shame that we mentioned that a lot of these guys weren't able to do the pro day that didn't go to the Combine and – um, not only for Notre Dame, but for all the colleges around. It's a tough situation, and it's just really difficult at this time what we're going through to get guys on tape and being able to be in front of people. So it's a whole new world, Paul, about how things are being analyzed, how, how scouts are looking at players, um, this, this Zoom movement. <laughs> I mean, this is amazing. Like you said, I think you saw it on Twitter the other day. Is it too late to, to buy stock in Zoom? <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, it probably is. You know, I, I, I feel bad for, for some of these guys who too. are coming off of injuries, particularly. Yeah. Now, we just heard that Eric talked about Okwara. He did have that broken fibula in November. And while he certainly was unable to put up a 40 time at the combine because he was anticipating he was going to be able to run at his pro day, which yeah. was supposed to be yesterday, he now doesn't have a chance unless they go through with that video that, that Eric was talking about yeah. to put an impressive 40 time on record for the pro scouts. And so so I wonder if that is going to affect exactly where he winds up in the draft. He is intriguing to me as an edge rusher with big ups in getting to the quarterback. And, hey, I knew Romeo when he was here. I know you did as well. Uh, I'm very happy for his success in the National Football League. Yeah. And if Julian should land here, I certainly would like to see him uh, you know, get some heat on the passer. Well, I mean, you know, Alquara, when he was with the Giants, he was just so young, remember? I mean, he was just so young, um, and he's figured some things out. But his brother, I, I, I agree with you. You know, it's unfortunate that, that a lot of guys aren't going to get to be looked at personally um, on their pro days. But, you know, listen, I'm a big believer in, you know, you see what you, you get what you see, right? I mean, you look on tape, you can see the guy for the for the football realists of the world that know how to break down tape and 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 give grades on guys by watching them play that's what they do right i mean the 40 yard dash to me is just a number but i rather because because paul you know this there's some guys that run a fast 40 but their their play speed is slow Mm -hmm. and vice versa 
You know, and maybe Julian O'Quara, this might be the same situation with him. He might not run a great 40, but his play speed is a lot quicker. I'm more interested in the guy that can play quick than a guy that can run quick, honestly. Yeah, there's no question about that, Jeff. All right, so let's get now on to the veteran free agent information of the day because we've just got done talking about Notre Dame in the draft. The Giants, uh, yeah, they've been busy. Free agent log snapper Casey Kreider of the Denver Broncos and running back Deion Lewis of the Tennessee Titans have now signed their contracts with the Giants pending physicals. Uh, This was announced in the last 24 hours. The Giants have now imported 11 veteran free agents during this offseason. To get the uh, the illegal stuff out of the way, Jeff, the others who have signed and await physicals are James Bradbury, Blake Martinez, Kyler Fackrell, uh, Levine Toilolo, Eric Tomlinson, Cam Fleming, Nate Ebner, Colt McCoy, and Austin Johnson. The Giants have also re-signed Cody Core, and according to ESPN, have an agreement to retain Corey Coleman. Now let's talk about Kreider for just a moment here. This is a guy who spent two years in camp with the Dallas Cowboys. So, yes, there is a connection to one member of the Giants coaching staff, that being Jason Garrett. Uh, Those years, 2014 and 2015, then spent four years with the Denver Broncos, was a Pro Bowl pick uh, just two seasons ago. And uh, now, as we said, um, apparently, uh, you know, signed with the Giants pending his physical a guy who uh, has really been very solid and consistent with his long snapping. Well, okay. I'm okay with that. Solid, consistent, Pro Bowl, and now he's a giant. And by the way, he did snap for two years to um, Riley Dixon. So they have some familiarity. There's that word again that we keep hearing and talking about, right? Um, and certainly a lot of these free agents have this familiarity with coaches on this staff. We talked about that yesterday, you and I, Paul, when we were uh, discussing today's show. The fact is is that this, to me, is a good signing because of what we have talked about in the past, about that, that three – there are three components to a good kick, right? It starts with the snap. Got to have the snap. Then it's got to be a good hold, and then you got to have a good kick. If you got all three of those working for you – you're going to be very successful. And two years ago, all three of them were working really, really good because Aldrich Rosas went to the Pro Bowl. And then mm-hmm. what happens last year? Zach Diossi has a down year. It's, things just didn't work for him. And all of a sudden, everything kind of went to the, to the wayside. So this is a need for the Giants. We talked about competition. I thought they would bring somebody in. I didn't know if they were going to sign a free agent, but this is a good move in my opinion because it solidifies that operation. You've got three veterans now at snapper, holder, and kicker. And of course, the guy that was here last year, Holba, I think is his name. Colin he's, Holba. Yeah. He's and Drew a, Scott also, both guys who had had a cup of coffee with the Niners organization. Well, I got to imagine that they're probably not going to take three to camp. So one of those guys is going to get an opportunity to compete with, um, with Casey. But, uh, you know, pretty much if you're signed as a free agent and they bring you in here, you're probably going to be the guy. But, you know, listen, that's what you want competition. You're going to get it. Well, let me also bring out one other factor here about the long snapper for the Giants, because, my goodness, you worked with Zach Diassi for a lot of years, Jeff. And we all know he went to two Pro Bowls, was on two Super Bowl championship teams. And one of the best things about him wasn't just his snapping ability, but it was his ability to get downfield. Zach Diossi, six times during his career, led NFL long snappers in tackles. He had a career-high 
10 tackles in 2011. Now, that's something the Giants are not going to find an easy time replacing. Kreider, for example, in his four years as a long snapper with the Broncos, albeit a terrific snapper, had a combined five tackles. Well, let me give you a little bit of history lesson here, Mr. Dettino. Um, first of all, you know this. Going back with Zach Diossi, he was drafted as a linebacker. Out of Brown. And so he, he brings that trait to the table. Now, I will tell you this. Over the years, I'm going back probably the last maybe seven, eight, nine years, what's happening at the younger level is there are guys that are going out there and learning how to punt, to kick, and to snap. And that's the only thing that they have ever done in their life. They've never played another sport. They've never ran down and made a tackle. They've never dunked a football. They've never been hit, in a, hit by a pitcher playing baseball at the, at the batter's box. So what I'm trying to tell you is that there's a lot of guys like Casey Kreider that has just learned to snap the football, and he hasn't been a real football player in the past. Now, he might be yelling at me right now listening to this, but this fact is it's true. And so there isn't these guys that are coming up nowadays. They're not, they haven't played a lot of other positions to learn how to tackle and be a football player. And that's not a bad thing because, really, I could care less. I want the snap, the hold, the kick, get the three points, get the one point, whatever it is. So, yes, we, we were the Giants were it was a, it was a luxury to have Zach be able to run down there, and he loved to tackle. By the way, I mean he just not only did he like the snap, he liked to tackle, um, and that was a good thing. So that's kind of my analysis of the position at these days. I think a lot of them don't really know how to tackle. And they just, they're just signed to be able to snap that ball back on punts and field goals. Well, to your point, Kreider comes out of Iowa, and in his four years at Iowa, that's what he did. That, there you go. He was not a position player. Not he was their long are. snapper. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it is, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's just a position where when I played years and years ago, you know, it was the, it was the reverse of this. There, there, there was guys that di- they, didn't, they didn't snap. They played another position, and then they snapped, right? So, I mean, the first, like, four or five years of my career, it was either a tight end or it was an offensive lineman that was the snapper. Um, and then all of a sudden, guys started to come into the league that were specializing in this but still played another position. And normally it was a linebacking or a tight end. And then nowadays you just don't see that. You just really don't. You get, these guys get scholarships just like punters and kickers for four years in, in college, and all they do is snap. They snap, snap, snap. And I always told uh, Zach Diossi, he said, how great is it that you can make a living looking through your legs? Really? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I never quite thought about it that way, but I suppose he's actually telling the truth, isn't he? (laughs) 100%. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right. A couple of uh, Twitter questions we want to get to here, Jeff. Sure. Uh, MC on Twitter says, uh, wants to know if the Giants should give wide receiver Martavius Bryant a chance to see if he might be able to fit into that room. Oh, you know what? I, I, I would rather have if – there, if there's a couple seats left in the room, can I just get one of these receivers that are in the draft this year and put them in that room, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I just – you know, I'm, just, I'm ready for young talent to rise, and I think that I would go after – my answer to that is no. I, I, want, I want young receivers in this draft, and we've talked about it, Paul – Giants are going to be able to get a receiver in this draft at a good value at a late pick. They really are. 
Well, I you mean, know how you know how I feel. With okay. four quality rounds of wide receivers, yeah. I I would not add any more free agent wide receivers 100%. if I were them. I would just go ahead and take one of the youngsters. Absolutely. Mike says, I want Isaiah Simmons. These old linemen are too much of a crapshoot for me at number four. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> you know, I well, congratulations. Really, well, here's you know what though, Jeff. Let let's be very very forward and frank about this. The Giants are a team that will take the best player available, and that's what Dave Gettleman has always believed in anyway. He had said last year when he passed on Josh Allen, it was very, very difficult to do because his grade and Daniel Jones's grade were so close that he allowed the quarterback position to overwhelm him, and he wound up taking Daniel Jones because he really believes he's the franchise quarterback of the future to succeed Eli Manning. Actually, he's now the franchise quarterback of the present, isn't he? Yeah. So so I understand that. Given that philosophy, the Giants and Dave Gettleman owe it to themselves to take the guy who's got the significantly higher grade. If Simmons has the significantly higher grade, they have to take him. If one of the offensive linemen has a significantly higher grade than Simmons, they have to take him, don't they? Hundred percent, hundred percent. It's not. It's not. You know, it, this is this. The truth of the matter is that Isaiah Simmons will be ranked higher than one of the offensive linemen at this juncture, probably. And so, if that's the theory that we're going by, then you, is it Mike, our Twitter guy? Yes, Mike. You're going to get your wish. You're going to get your wish, and it's not going to be. We're not going to be sad. Giants fans aren't going to be sad because Isaiah Simmons is going to have a New York uh, helmet on. Certainly not. Um, I just believe that the next guy behind Isaiah Simmons, um, is it a lineman or is it a receiver? You know, I don't know. So my point is I think you're right. I think they go by the best-rated player. It's probably going to be Simmons. But for the long term, in my opinion, I would like to draft one of these tackles just so that I can say that he can play that position for the next 8 to 10 years and not have to worry about Daniel Jones um, getting hit. All right, Craig James on Twitter says he shifts back and forth almost daily, but today I've been thinking about how many years I've been complaining about our offensive line and how many <laughs> I've complained go. about our defense. So with that being said, he says we need to go offensive tackle at four unless Young is there, of course. He's yeah. a Chase Young guy, and – I I do think that, you know, practically everyone on the planet thinks Young is going to the Redskins at two. Yeah. And, and Paul, we've talked about this so much. We're going to continue to put – none of us are going to be extremely disappointed if if the Giants pick either one of these guys, right? Whether it's Mm -hmm. Isaiah Simmons or an offensive lineman like Becton, um, Wirfs. I mean – I've been hearing a lot about the Alabama tackle being the guy that the Giants are going to take. Yeah. And I, I, you know, you and I have discussed that. Um, And I would not, I would be more happy with Becton or a worst in my opinion, but, but who knows? I think that you were all going to be excited about whoever it is. Um, Let me ask you this, Paul, Dave Gettleman had said last year about his grade with Daniel Jones. Um, you know, do you think that these that the grades of Isaiah Simmons and maybe a Becton or any of the of the offensive linemen are that close, or do you think that they're not even that close? Well, here's what I will say from talking to so many people, draft experts as well as people around the NFL, and obviously the Giants uh, front office is not discussing this with us, and nor should they. It's their business. Yeah. But from the outside, 
What troubles me is that it's almost unanimous that Isaiah Simmons is a top five pick, practically no matter who you talk to. I don't get the same response when it comes to the offensive tackles. What I get is that there is a large group, almost an equal group, that likes each one of the top four offensive tackles as the best guy. That bothers me. Because for when you're picking at four, you have to have such conviction, okay, such a strong conviction that this is the guy we have to take there. His grade is so solid that, to me, when there's a debate that any one of four guys could be the best guy at his position, it takes away from that concrete belief that this is the guy. If that makes any sense to you, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't, but to me, it's troublesome. I well, mean, I, I, I just I, like the unanimous, the unanimous opinion or near unanimous opinion that Simmons deserves to be there, and I can't get enough of people to, with conviction, tell me that one of the tackles belongs there. Well, I'll agree with you there. Yeah, I, I don't think that any of them should be ranked above Simmons. So the bottom line is that if they're going to take by rankings and their own rankings, then Simmons is the guy. That, that, point blank. That there, I agree, I'll agree with you. Here. Well, if the Giants feel like the majority of people outside yeah. the office do, we don't know. Yeah. For all we know, maybe, just maybe, the Giants don't view Isaiah Simmons as most people do. Maybe their scouting report says – he should not be a top-five pick. And if that's the case, they should not take him. You're right, but I, I don't think they do. I think they've got him right up there. Um, there are Some of the draft boards that I've seen, the mock drafts, have um, him going down like to the seventh pick because of the, the run for the quarterbacks above him, the uh, Okuda, um, and some other linemen. So, I mean, listen, I, I, is there a way to trade back? And if Simmons is still there, you, you take him there and you get some draft capital? I don't know. But – I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be terribly disturbed if Isaiah Simmons is wearing a New York Giants uniform this year. I won't, um, and I'm not going to be terribly disturbed. I'm going to be excited at one of these linemen coming here because I just think it's far more important at this juncture of development and a young quarterback to have a good offensive tackle right and left for the future. I just think from a development standpoint, that's where you want to be. I'm a little bit concerned for the fact that Isaiah Simmons is a guy that you do not, and I think, I don't know if you and I talk about this as Paul, or not, actually it was John, that he does not have a defined position that we really know what he's going to play. So if you're Patrick Graham, are you going to convince Dave Gettleman that this guy is a outside linebacker? Is he an inside linebacker? Is he a strong safety? What is he? You know, we're off. I know what my offensive tackles are playing. They're playing offensive tackle. Well, he, he's a linebacker for me. I know John in the past has said he views him more as a safety. I view him as more of a linebacker. But, you know, I understand the point. If you're okay. not going to use him properly, then you're, you're wasting your time picking him that high. Sure. And I think you've got to have a lot of commitment that you, that you know where you're going to play him. And maybe that's Patrick Graham is convincing Dave Gettleman that I know I'm going to play him at this position. And then if we get into a game and we've got a matchup and we've got to come in a different personnel grouping – I have the luxury of this guy playing one other position because he's played a lot of them, and that makes sense. So, All right. We'll see. Scott Watershot, Walter Scheid says, All right, Scott. Uh, LT, and that's Lawrence Taylor, by the way, mm -hmm. is always the GOAT. 
But drafting a young man like Simmons, you'll be bringing in the new generation of linebackers. Isn't that the Giants' way? Well, Scott, uh, they haven't drafted a first-round linebacker (laughs) since Carl Banks, as we have said so many times in the last few years. So I don't know if you can consider that the Giants' way at all. Well, I understand going back to how the Giants used to play defense. Yeah, it was the Giants' way, but it ain't the Giants' way anymore. I mean, the the linebackers the Giants have drafted over the years have obviously have not been in the first round, but, you know, nobody's been as spectacular. They've been through free agency. You know, when you look at uh, Kiwanuka, uh, or what was it, Kavika Mitchell, excuse me. You look at um, Antonio Pierce. These are guys that helped us win championships, right? But they were through free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm ex- I keep telling you, I'm excited if, if Simmons is the guy because I, I can't wait to watch this guy play, whether he's on our team or somebody else's. If he's if he's what he's cracked up to be, he's going to be a lot of fun. And if it is in a Giants uniform, then, yeah, he will be the next wave of the, of the Giant linebackers. Hopefully he's a perennial all-pro and could be one of the best that there ever was. All right, I've got one more for you, and this is a, a, a hypothetical, Jeff. We don't deal with hypotheticals much on this. Well, we'd like to try to deal with reality when we can. This one is from Rich, who says he's got a what-if question just for fun. And he says, I know it's going to take some time to unravel. What if the Giants did not draft Saquon Barkley or Daniel Jones? Who might they have drafted instead? And how might those moves have affected the overall roster? And how different might the results be today? Now, let's play play with this one for just a second. Uh, Josh Allen. Well, Josh Allen would have been the pick last year. I think we could pretty much ascertain that based on the, what Dave Gettleman said. It was so difficult to pass him up. Okay. It seems to me that like he would have been the pick there, right? I think so. Okay, okay. So, so so if he had been the pick there, where would the Giants be today? Well, well, I would say they probably would not have signed Marcus Golden last year, right? So okay. Allen would have been their premier outside pass rusher who would have been entering his second season this summer. Okay, what, but now go back to the Saquon. We well, didn't take well, Saqu- well to, to, to further flesh that out, the Giants would still need to get another pass rusher, wouldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. They only have one. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, they're in the same position they are today. Marcus Golden is not on the team. And right. There's Josh Allen. So. Well, but, but, well, that, but, but that's my point. If if Allen had been in golden spot, let's just say he would have been a 10 sack guy for the Giants. They they would still be in need of a pass rush today, even if they had taken Allen. Correct. OK, Correct. let's go back the year before uh, Giants take Barkley, where Baker Mayfield was number one to the Cleveland Browns. Um, it seems to me and I think we all pretty much agreed at that time that the three choices, unless you believe that they should have taken a quarterback, which, again, I know there's a faction that does believe that, that that Quinton Nelson, the guard, or Bradley Chubb, the defensive end, would have been the other selections next to Barkley. Again, I don't know what the Giants had thought, but I think you and I probably feel that way because I thought you and I both were in agreement to keep Eli Manning around. 100%. So I don't. I wouldn't go for the quarterback because I wasn't big on Mayfield anyways. Um, I probably would have, and it's easy for us in hindsight to look back at, you know, how they have played the last two years. And Quentin Nelson has played pretty good. I'll go with him. You see, at that time, <laughs> if I could just turn back the clock, I would have taken Quentin Nelson if yeah. I was not going to take Barkley. Right. That's what how, I'm saying. However, yeah. because the Giants wound up getting Will Hernandez later on, 
I, in retrospect, right now, I would rather have had Bradley Chubb if I was not going to take Barkley. No, I would have taken them both. I would have taken <laughs> Quentin Nelson and Hernandez. Then I got two stud guards there. Now I'm in, I'm in a good position now. Okay. Yeah. Well, then now, see, that would have made things very interesting because it was the following off season when they made the trade with Cleveland involving uh, OBJ and, and Kevin Zeitler came back in that deal. Yeah. So yeah. now uh, if you have Nelson and Hernandez – Maybe that deal involving OBJ and Olivier Vernon doesn't bring you back Zeitler. In fact, I don't know. Do you even have a fit? Does that trade even happen? Because Zeitler was a major component in that trade. Yeah, I think that was the root of the trade, other than wanting to get well, rid Peppers of OBJ. Well, Peppers, too. Peppers yeah. was, a, was, was also oh, sure. a big yeah. part of that, too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you move Zeitler to center, you know, at that point. I don't know. I don't know. We haven't talked enough about the center position, by the way, this offseason, in my opinion. I know you're a pulley guy, but I, I just feel like they're, the, the Giants are going to go there. They didn't get anybody in free agency, so that means, that in, in my opinion, they do believe in Spencer Pulley. Um, and I think that there's, there's going to be a center drafted this year. Okay, how high? Well, um. Oh, I still would love them to get into that third round. I keep telling everybody this, but yeah, I like I like the third round. I like that third pick, maybe the fourth round, high fourth round, to get in there and get a guy that can compete. Well, the Giants will have that compensatory near the 99. end of the third, right? And then they pick, of course, uh, uh, four picks into the fourth round. Yeah. So they are going to have two picks within about a dozen of each other yeah. to try to, you know, cluster some guys together to see if they can grab two of them. Uh, okay, interesting thing then. If you take a center there, is that guy going to provide legitimate competition to Pulley? Is there value in a center you pick at that stage of the draft who can push Pulley for the starting job? Or is it a guy who immediately becomes a redshirt guy because he's not good enough to push as a starter and he's got to be a backup for at least a year? No, I think that they're both told that it's a, it's a competition. And that, but you feel good enough in the pick that if he doesn't start, that you got a future at that at that position with the guy that you drafted. Mm-hmm. That's my point. All right, good stuff, Jeff. Yeah. Always fun talking. You too, Paul. All right. Thank we- you, everybody, for your Twitter questions. We thank uh, Eric Hansen uh, for coming on and talking a little bit of Notre Dame football. That's which is, right. Yeah, that was fun. From the South Bend Tribune, I know your hurricane blood <laughs> still runs deep, doesn't it? I That's understand. Okay, though. I, I, listen, I, I just I just say that it's it's not it's not that deep. It's kind of deep, but it's not real, real deep. It's okay. <laughs> that's because they're losing a lot of games lately. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Fine. And so is Miami. So they're in the, boat, in the same boat. Oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, Big Blue Kickoff Live is here every single weekday. We appreciate everybody for sticking with us as we continue to do our prospect previews on each and every show. You can hit us up at hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter and also at Jay Fiegels or at Giants WFAN. For Jeff Fiegels, I'm Paul Tatino. We'll see you next time.